you all. Unfortunately, we have to meet like this. Um, I apologize. But, uh, so there's a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot of topics. We, re we really were ahead of the curve. As we know, we started this uh, three, three weeks ago discussing the topic of uh, corona and infectious disease. And we discussed a number of topics. Amongst them, um, we discussed the, as far as um, the risk that can be taken by medical professionals, etc., which we really have to get back to. Um, and there's a lot of also now philosophical topics and why this is all happening to us, but we're not going to go there. This is not a philosophy class um, that you can speak to your local philosopher. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, as we know, but I want to, again, as usual in our class, we're going to address this strictly from a halachic perspective. One of the things that has uh, been coming up lately in the news in Israel and in the United States and in other countries is what happens um, when someone who is either a confirmed case of corona, COVID-19, or a, um, someone who should be in quarantine and refuses to be quarantined and leaves their quarantine, um, what can we do to them? Can we force them to stay in quarantine? That's obviously question number one. Israel is dealing with many issues now with tracking people in quarantine on their cell phones, which are privacy issues. That's already Google supposedly is talking to the government. The Washington Post had a story last night where Google is dealing with the United States government about ways to track, um, also to keep, to track people who have corona and make sure they stay in quarantine. So that's the whole issue, privacy issues, which we're not going to get to today. But, but more what I want to focus on is the issue which happened in two cases, um, at least that I'm aware of. One in Israel, I'm reading here off my computer. This is from the Times of Israel on March 15th, where a video posted to social media on Saturday appeared to show a man being arrested in Tel Aviv for allegedly violating his home quarantine. The arresting officers wearing special protective gear Police said in a statement the man was detained on Grashov Street after they received the report that he refused to stay in solitary confinement for a second time. He had violated on Friday, this was on Sunday. Police had previously arrested him on Friday after he was found at a Tel Aviv train station. The man will appear in court on Sunday for a hearing on the possible extension of his detention. Those who knowingly violate the quarantine could be sentenced to seven years in prison, while those who do so out of negligence can get a three-year sentence. Um, okay, so that, that's one story. Actually, closer to home in Kentucky um, this week, I don't know if you saw the story. This is on March 17th. Kentucky man with COVID-19 refused to remain hospitalized, so deputies are surrounding his house. So there's a, this is, uh, I'll read you quickly. From, this is from CNN. A Kentucky patient who was diagnosed with novel coronavirus reportedly checked himself out of the hospital against medical advice. According to CNN, officials have surrounded his house to prevent him from spreading the illness. The patient is described as a 53-year-old man from Nelson County. Local officials have placed under forced isolation. The man is one of the first 20 confirmed COVID-19 cases in Kentucky. Um, when speaking of forced isolation, the state's governor, Andy Bashar, said, It's a step I hoped that I'd never have to take. But I can't allow one person who we know has the virus to refuse to protect their neighbors. First, Bashar didn't describe just how the government forced the unarmed man to remain in isolation, but this week, um, the Nelson County Sheriff confirmed that deputies will park outside of the man's home for 24 hours a day for two weeks. The patient is cooperating now. Okay, so, so 
coming from the halacha perspective, and I think we discussed this, by the way, some, some of this in 2014, um, relevant to Ebola. So there's a question in halacha, as we know, there's a concept called rodif, which means that someone who's endangering someone's life um, has the, um, literally, you can go and, and kill the person. That means if someone, not, well, I, I said that wrong, not someone who's endangering someone's life, someone who is chasing someone, excuse me, to kill him, okay, so if I see someone pursuing someone with a gun to shoot him, who's going to take someone else's life, an innocent person, I have a right to go ahead and kill the pursuer. Okay, that's known as the law of Rodef, which is... Um, a learned that from the Torah itself in Parshat Mishpatim in, in Exodus chapter 22 verse 1 where it discusses the famous case of Machteret. That means if someone is tunneling in <coughs> excuse me sorry <coughs> if someone is tunneling in um, and uh, and they um, to someone's home which is in Texas or many states in the United States is known as the castle doctrine. So you have a right to shoot that person before they come into your home. And once they enter in your property, um, according, this is a biblical law, again, but taken on by many Western countries, and specifically Texas is very proud of this law, known as the castle doctrine, that you have a right, the assumption is, according to the Gemara, and I'll read you the Pasuk, it says, Pasuk says like this, if you find um, a thief is discovered while tunneling in the hookah of a mace and he is struck and dies that means you the owner of the home strikes, strikes and kills the person or shoots him there is no blood guilt on his account that means you have every right to shoot him now it's not uh, it's very clear the Talmud makes very clear not like Texas law not like Florida law which is that you have no right to kill someone to save your money you're not allowed to kill him only because he's um, he's one second, there are two people waiting to be admitted. Okay. So, you know, it's, you have no right to... So it's Ed Title just joined, and David Jacobson. Welcome. Welcome, Eddie. I've never seen you without makeup. Uh, can you hear me, Eddie? Can't hear me. Okay, so, uh, so, what was I saying? Oh, so again, so the, the, it's not that you have a right to save your belongings by killing someone. That's not the case, according to the Torah, at least. It's only, you only have a right to, um, to kill someone because the assumption is when he's tunneling into your home, he will be killing you. One second, he's complaining there's no audio here. David, you can't hear me? You're connecting. It says connecting. Okay. Um, can you hear me now, David? Okay. So, uh, bottom line is, you. so again, the Torah is saying, to, the assumption is, the psychology is, when someone's come tunneling, breaking into your home, that he's probably doing it, because he knows, especially in a, in a place like Texas, where he... You're, if you take out your gun, he's going to shoot you first. So he knows that's a possibility. Therefore, the psychology is, it's like he's coming to kill you. Even though he's just coming to steal something from your home, it's as if he's coming to kill you, and therefore you have a right of, of self-defense. And that, again, that halacha is learned not just 
um, relevant to self-defense, but even for a third party. That means if I see someone tunneling into my neighbor's home, um, I also have a right to kill them. Okay, so that's the halacha, the famous halacha of Rodef, again, based on this verse in Genesis. Um, it's pretty clear that there's no uh, problem of, of uh, it's not considered murder, and you have every right to kill even a, th a third party, even though it's not self-defense. So the question becomes, um, now if someone leaves, uh, if someone confirmed, let's, let's start with the easier case, a confirmed COVID-19 um, patient leaves his room, leaves his quarantine, and is going uh, into, is walking into a nursing home. Okay, he says he's going to visit his mom in, in a nursing home in Seven Acres, where we know people there in Seven Acres are, are very prone, people over 70, like us, most of the people on this call, are very, uh, um, are very prone to, um, and much more dangerous if they contract the virus. So would we be allowed to, again, does that, uh, does that person who's leaving his quarantine with the confirmed case have a din of Rodef or not? That's the question, and this is not just a theoretical question, as we're saying, this is relevant in Israel, um, as we see now, and in many countries where people are not adhering to quarantine. There was another case in Israel, I didn't look up the news story this morning, where, where a fellow literally was in quarantine in a hospital, and he, they, they locked him in, he, he wanted to leave, but he burst out of the room um, through the glass doors, and, he, and they had to subdue him and lock him up. Ron has a question. Let me just unmute Ron. If anyone has a question, again, raise your hand. I'm unmuting Ron to ask the question. Go ahead, Ron. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I, I clicked on raise hand, just so you know, Yossi, so if you're looking at that, just keep an eye on the raise hand icon. But I, I posed a Zoom group chat question that you all may see that there's some questions we can all pose to each other as well. But in your description of Rodev, uh, what is the threshold to define road death? Meaning that in this case, if overall the risk of death is less than 1%, can the concept of road death be applied? If you're going into a nursing home where the percentage may in fact increase to 10% or more, then is that the necessary threshold? Right, so it's a good question. First of all, you spelled road as rodeo. I guess your spell check changed no, it to Rodeo. Yeah, Rodeo, not Rodeo, right. Okay, so just to clarify, it's not Rodeo, it's Rodeo. Okay, so, uh, so it's a right. great question. So that's a very important question Ron is posing, which is, what is the definition, before we get even to defining, to get into the issue of COVID-19, does Rodeo have to be 100% that the person is going to kill the person? So let's say I see someone chasing someone, um, but he's only holding a, you know, a, a stick. Okay, he's chasing him, he wants to kill him, but the stick usually is not going to kill him. Meaning, how far do we take it? So first of all, I don't think it has to be 100% certain death. We have to know that the person is clearly uh, going to kill him. Meaning, you have many, as we discussed in the past, let's say in many cases where, uh, you know, you come onto a scene and you're not sure who's chasing who. You know, you have a cop, this has happened many times, unfortunately, as we know, in the United States, where you have a cop in plain clothes, and he might be of a certain race where the other police show up on the scene, they assume that he's the, he's the um, pursuer, not the, right, that, no, it's not the pursued, okay? They make assumptions. So, of course, that doesn't work. Rodef has to be that you know the person is running after someone to kill him. That's the intent. Now, the result doesn't have to be that he's surely going to die. The guy might be a bad shot. Just because there's a suffix, let's say, there's a doubt whether the guy has perfect aim, 
the pursuer, and we don't know if he's going to be able to kill him, based on his, on his shot, doesn't mean that you're not allowed to kill him. Because there's a, obviously, in a case where there's a clear intent to kill, now again, 1%, if you're saying there's only 1% chance of death, that, that's a good point. And you don't know the exact numbers. But again, that's why I picked the case specifically where he's going into a nursing home where well, supposedly they say if you're over 70, one out of five people over 70 will, who contract the virus will die, if that number is true. Um, I got it from CNN, I don't know how accurate that is. But assuming that number is true, so one out of five I think is sufficient um, numbers to, to consider some, something that you can assume that is a real danger to life, where in, in the laws of Rodef, general laws of Rodef, you'd be allowed to, um, you'd be allowed to, uh, to kill the Rodef. Okay, so in that specific case, like the nursing home case. But you're right, if someone's just going to Target um, who has COVID-19, I would venture to say in that case, you know, he's just walking at the Target. I don't know if we can, we can shoot him for that. That's what I'd venture to say. But it, it, it has to be more defined. It's a good point, Ron. Um, can I mute you again, Ron, or you still have more? You good? Okay. Um, so now, so, so again, so the question becomes, so if the, is someone leaving quarantine um, considered a rodif? The, the question really is based on, you know, he's not, in this case, normally you have an actual case where someone's chasing someone, in the literal sense, and uh, they are uh, they're going to kill someone. Okay, there's, 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 they're doing an action which is considered a murderous action. They're chasing someone down the street with a gun. Here, this guy, he's just going to visit his mom in the nursing home. Okay, so, so is that considered road? If he's, not con he's not really doing any action of murder. Okay, can we consider someone who's not doing an action of murder a road? That's question number one. Is road limited to someone who's committing a capital crime? Um, who's committing capital action of murder. I don't know how, you, how would you define that in legal terms. But he's, he's, he fits the capital, the criteria of capital crime of murder. Okay? Um, that would be the question here. Or is it limited to, is it only limited to that case? So, the, so that's question number one. Meaning, so th again, this person, we're not talking about someone who's walking into a nursing home intentionally and he's going to, you know, cough on his hands and smear it all over the patients. That, for sure, I guess would be considered road if in this case. We're talking about someone who again he's just going to visit his mom. He's supposed to be in quarantine. He was he's a confirmed case. Is that person um, considered a road if or not by walking into seven acres? Okay. So so the the answer generally speaking, from what I found in my limited research, is no. Meaning it's not limited, sorry, no meaning it's not limited specifically to a case of of where someone is committing a capital case of murder. Um, for example, there's, there's a concept which we discussed in the past, which is in halacha, which is called a moser. It means the Talmud in halacha discusses extensively where you have someone who is going, and we're talking about an unjust government in the past history, who goes and tattletales about a Jew that he's, let's say, uh, he's counterfeiting money, where that would be a capital crime in some cases. Whatever the case, they're going and um, telling the government a lie, let's say, we're talking about nowhere, the guy is not really doing something wrong, but they want him to get arrested, and the cases where most, you know, where arrest would be in those countries very dangerous, a country like Iran, let's say, okay, so, 
So, so the halacha says there, that person we consider a moser, a rodef. Even though technically speaking, he's not doing any action which is considered a capital, he's not trying to kill someone. Um, he's not doing an action which would be considered capital, an action of capital crime or murder, right? Um, but still, he's doing something what we call causation. He might cause someone to be killed by being arrested, let's say in the country of Iran, and they're going to throw him in jail and torture him until, and it's very possible he's going to die in jail. So that's what we call it, Allah, we call that grama, okay? Um, and grama doesn't, uh, doesn't change, um, meaning the fact that it's being done through grama doesn't in any which way change the situation. Um, grama again is causation. We're not doing, not doing an actual act where I'm trying to kill someone. I'm just, again, I'm going into, into the nursing home and I have COVID-19. So even though it's by causation, um, we see from there that it's not limited to capital cases. It's an actual action. That's what, that's what I would say offhand. And was, another example of this would be, and I think we discussed this many years ago, which is let's say you have a woman who has, uh, or it doesn't it could be a man, who has AIDS um, or some other uh, fatal disease which is sexually transmitted. And this woman, basically we know, is, is having multiple relationships. She has an open relationship with many men and she's going around um, infecting men. Again, I'm not picking on women, men, it could be either way. Um, whoever it is, male or female, the case that I happened to see being discussed, an actual case in Israel, was a woman who, who, as we'll talk about a little later, but she contracted AIDS from a partner, and she was so upset, and, and there was no cure at the time, there was nothing she could do, this is early on, um, and she, again, her partner didn't tell her he was infected, he knew about it, and she was so upset, she said she's going to take down as many men as possible with her before she goes, and she just was uh, was having relationships with many partners in order, intentionally in that case, to give them AIDS. Okay, so what would you say in that case? Um, would that be considered a road? If I'm going to unmute, unmute everyone for a second. Um, everyone's unmuted currently. What would you say in that case? Would you consider that woman a road? Yes. Ron says yeah. killer. Ron says killer. Yes. What are, what are, who's that? David. Okay, anybody else? Ed, yeah. what, what does the lawyer say? What does Eddie say? We can't hear you, Eddie. Eddie. Your mic is not working, so... We can't... Eddie. Your mic is not working. We can't hear you for some reason. You have to do sign language. Oh, I, I okay. have my phone on mute. I'm okay. sorry. So, so I say yes. Uh, yes, well, what? Killer? Because she had the intent. Right. Yeah, I say yes. Yeah, she's a killer. She she intended to harm people. But I have a but I wonder about the person who doesn't doesn't agree or believes it's not a dangerous thing and does it. You mean, you're, so you're saying it's the intent that matters, since her intent is to kill, again, even uh, in, that, in that particular case. But let's say it's not. Let's say she just wants to have a good time, and, and she's not doing it with the intent to kill. She just wants to have a lot of relationships. Um, doesn't matter. So you're saying intent doesn't matter. Eddie, Eddie's saying it does. 
So again, I'm, I'm basing mine on... Yeah, but every life is valuable. That's true, but he's saying is that maybe the, and as Ron said before, the numbers of are so low maybe of infection, or, or death, sorry, of, of the fatalities, so maybe that's not considered erodive, is what, is what Ed is saying. Um, and Ron, Ron mentioned that before, so I explained to Ron before we explained before, I don't know if you heard this, Ed, that, I mean, if they're saying if you're walking into a nursing home, people over 70, supposedly one out of five will die, if, the, if, if those numbers are correct. I can't well, but, but, but that's not really, that's not really a valid number. One out of, we believe that one out of five that gets COVID uh, in a nursing home will die. But that, but that assumes that everybody in that nursing home is going to get the COVID because somebody walks in with it. And that I don't think we have any real idea of yet. And, and so maybe 20% maybe of the patients in the nursing home will actually get COVID from somebody coming in who is positive. So then it's 20% of 20%, which is considerably lower. Mm -hmm. The numbers game is ridiculous. The danger is that greatly one life. That's a responsibility. Yeah, no one's arguing if that, that if endangers a life, it's a responsibility. The question is, can we kill that person who walks into seven acres? Can the guard shoot to kill? In that case, by the way, I wanna, I, I, one thing I didn't make clear is is this the, the of course the din of Rodif, and this is very important before you go out and shoot and start shooting people walking into nursing homes. Um, it's very important to understand that the din of Rodif is of course only if you you there's no other way to stop him. Meaning, uh, you, meaning even in, even in a case where someone's chasing someone with a gun, you have to first try other. You know, if you can stop him by shooting at his legs, of course you're obligated to do that. The, the, the permission to kill the person is only if there's no other way to prevent that person from, from, from uh, you know, per perpetrating his act. 
So the same thing with COVID-19. Of course, if there's a way to lock the person up in quarantine and, th- uh, you know, and, not, and guard him, as they're doing in Kentucky, so then, of course, you're obligated to do that. But we're saying, assuming there's no other case, he's literally walking into the nursing home and he's walking into, you know, he's putting his hands on this patient's face, he just coughed, and there's no way to stop it unless shooting him, or shooting, you'd have to first shoot at his legs. But uh, what I'm saying is, of course, you ab- the, the heter, the permission is only if there's no other way to stop it. So I just want to make that clear before anyone takes a gun out. Um, if you make a distinction between the sinner and the sin in this case, and the sin is spreading the COVID virus in a manner that might potentially be fatal to someone else, unlike, say, during HIV, where it was fatal if you got HIV. The second thing is the sinner. If the guy walks in and doesn't really know he has COVID or tries to do what he can to protect the people in the nurse home but really can't fully do it that's different than the case you're describing where guy goes in intentionally spreading covid if he's doing that i think you do have an obligation to stop him because he can't go around infecting people with a potentially fatal disease especially the nurse home yeah i think you could shoot him if he's if he's sinning in that way in other words if he's intentionally trying to infect somebody with covid yeah you could shoot him mm-hmm. If nothing else is done, why not? It's attempted murder. So again, no, but that's exactly my point. Is that we we are what we're saying is you don't have to do an act of murder, you know, a real act of murder, in order to be considered a relative. That's that's exactly what I'm what my point here is. It, even if you're doing something which can cause someone's death, that's sufficient. Okay, where it's just causation. So you're right, if the guy's literally coughing on his hand and taking the disease and sticking, sticking his hand in the patient's mouth, and the other, then, uh, then of course that would be an act of murder. But we're saying if the guy, again, he's just walking into the nursing home in that situation, um, even though he's just going to visit his mom, he still might be considered a rodef, is what we're saying. is Not still, I'm, I'm saying... He is a rodef. Again, well, that's what so we're trying to figure out. The guy breaks into your house, guy breaks into your house, you don't necessarily know he's armed or not. You have an AR-15. You know, you could you know, spray the guy and kill him. You could say, stop. And if he doesn't stop and goes for a gun, then you kill him. It's the same thing here. If a guy walks in and you say, hey, stop that. If he doesn't stop, you say, back away from that guy. If he doesn't do that, you shoot him. You don't have to necessarily kill him. No, but again, so as, as Ron mentioned, so as uh, Ed mentioned or Russ, someone mentioned that a case where the guy's just visiting his mom, there's no intent to kill. So that's number one. It He's just doing matter. an act which could He's cause someone's death. Okay. He still look. It's that's that's not necessarily the issue. There's, again, that's why I make distinction between the sin and the sinner. He's clearly sinning. He may not be aware of it. Okay, so that is exactly the question here. Does a rodef need to do something that's a clear act of murder, or or is it sufficient? Um, that he's just causing someone's death, even unintentionally. So, so I think it's a practical matter if you tell the guy, hey, get out of here, or uh, you're going to infect your mother and many other people, and he says, screw you, I think then he's intentional. If he says, I, I don't know, or, you know, or he's ignorant. Okay, so you're right. If he, if he knows about the dangers, and he realizes he can kill someone, that would be called intentional. One second, someone's waiting here. Okay. Um, in this day and age, to not know that COVID 
is infective and and infectious and uh, to not know about social distancing and elderly being particularly at risk, you just haven't been paying attention. So uh, I think the assumption would be if somebody walks in with a fever, coughing, and short of breath uh, to visit his mother, you have to assume it's intentional. Right. Uh, okay. So, so well, again, if he, clearly some of these people don't believe that they are endangering anyone. That's why they're going. I don't think they, if they really believe they're endangering their mother by visiting them in the nursing home, they wouldn't be walking in. They think they're going to kill their mother. I hope that. Right. So it's clearly not intentional. They think yes, yeah, it's, it's overblown. It's all a conspiracy against Trump. You know, it's all to get Trump, uh, right? That's what some people are saying. It's a conspiracy. This whole COVID-19 is conspiracy theory. So, again, if if someone intentionally understands the danger in doing it, you're right. Then I agree he would be called a rodif, even though his act is not a murderous act. But if it's not intentional. So the question is, do I need intention? Um, in halacha, the term is kavanasa lahazik. Do I need kavanala hazik to damage? Or... I'm doing it even where I have no intention to damage. So again, if I'm visiting my mother in the nursing home, and she is, and I, and and I'm doing it because I think my mother needs visitors for her psychological benefit. But I am confirmed case of COVID-19. So and I and I clearly don't understand the dangers. Otherwise, I wouldn't be visiting them, right? Now, there are many people today. There's a problem in in Brooklyn. I've been reading articles. People are not taking it seriously enough. They're going to shul. People who I don't know about confirmed cases, but people who should be in quarantine are going to shul. Ron, you have a question? Second? You're, you should be unmuted. One second, I'll unmute you. Now, go ahead. I don't know if you can see the icon where you lower and raise your hand. But um, basically, I wanted to just just ignorance is not bliss. So just because you're ignorant and you walk into a nursing home does not mean that therefore you don't have the intentionality of potentially hurting somebody. Even if there is safek, there's a question of whether or not you're walking in will actually infect anybody, and if that infected person will ultimately die, those are all doubts. But ignorance of just walking into a nursing home does not give you any freedom, but I don't know that ignorance necessarily puts you into the category of a rodef where you should necessarily be killed I just think that they need to be stopped. I think to put to go to the argument of you need to kill the Rodev, that's already you've ex, you've gone through every other potential opportunity to stop that person and you fail. Right. So again, so so again, we know everyone's agreeing the person needs to be stopped. The question is, can I literally take out my gun and, and shoot the guy, um, which is the din of Rodev? Because so that's the question here. So meaning, do I need intention? Which again, someone mentioned before. Uh, Ed maybe was saying, "Do I need no. intention to be eroded?" So Shelley's saying that. No. Ed saying, "What? Ed, what are you saying?" Well, I think I think generally the answer is is yes. You may infer intent by the fact that that you ignore everybody that. Walks up to you in the nursing home when the guard comes and says you have to leave because you're putting people at risk. That may convert something that was accidental initially to intentional because you now know 
But uh, I think just the fact that somebody uh, breaks curfew doesn't necessarily mean that they're a criminal. Um. Okay. Again, we're not defining criminality here. We're defining: Are they considered a pursuer where they're they're endangering someone's life, and we have the right to kill them? So, so the the proof is like this. So again, getting we'll get back to the woman having the relationships in a second. Um, but but the the proof is from abortion. The class one of the classical cases in the Talmud of of uh, of Rodef is the, is where we understand the permission to abort a fetus. To abort a child, pregnant woman if the uh, um, as the Gemara explains and Maimonides, Maimonides goes through it extensively, the the heter, the permission to abort a fetus who's endangering the life of the mother is um is is um is the reason why we allow uh, abortion of a fetus? Okay, so over there, clearly, the fetus is not intending to kill the mother. Okay, in the case where the doctor says the pregnancy, this pregnancy is endangering the life of the mother, there clearly is no intention on behalf of the fetus to hurt the mother. Right? You can't say that. You can't make that argument. And and that is why we allow the abortion because we consider the fetus a rodif. Okay, so from there it's very clear that at least in halacha, according to Maimonides at least, that intention doesn't play a role in defining a rod. That means if this person, even unintentionally, is endangering someone's life, they're still considered a rodif. Okay, that's the proof um, to this concept. Okay, um, so, so uh, surely in the case either, let's say, with the woman, who's just, uh, she's having relations with a bunch of men and she has a contagious disease, a fatal contagious disease like AIDS, okay, so she is, um, she is going to be considered, um, even though she has no, lives the woman or the case of the coronavirus, the corona carrier, where he, um, let's say even the case where he might not even know he has the disease. So what we're saying is unintentionality doesn't play a role in this, okay? Um, now, but it's not so simple. So based, so far, and based on what we're saying is, um, is that uh, they would be considered erodive. But the reason why it's not so simple is like this, because um, do, this gets to the next question that I'm going to pose, which is, do you need a ticking time bomb scenario? That means um, the standard case of tunneling in right? Um, a guy's a thief, right? Let's say I know this guy's a thief, and he plans on waking up this morning and, and going and, uh, and, and breaking into someone's home. He's going to break into someone's home. Today. That's what he does for a living. Does that mean I can go and shoot him in his bed before he gets up that morning? Right? Or do I have to wait till he's tunneling in? As we know, the law in Texas, the Castle Doctrine Law is you can't shoot the person until they're on your property. Even if you know you know, you can't say, well, the guy was on the train or the guy was on the bus coming to, to rob my house, so I can shoot him on the bus. Okay, you need to have him where he's currently doing an act which, is in the, which potentially is endangering your life. Okay? So the question is really, um, right, of course, we, we won't allow you to kill him in that case. So, so let's, say the, let's say take the woman who has AIDS and she's having a relationship with this guy or a number of, of partners. So... Do I have to wait till she's cohabitating with the guy to kill her? No, it's when she's in the act of, with the man, 
and then I can kill her, she's considered Rodef? Or can I kill her even if she's on the way to the date? She's at the, she's at the restaurant before, the, before they go home. Can I kill her at the restaurant? What would you say in that case? Juan, what are you saying? She's a Rodef. I mean, so she would fall within those categories of trying to stop her, and if we fail, 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 then she would technically, according to Halakha, be required to be killed. Right, so I, we're agreeing she's a Rodef, but at which point does she become a Rodef? That's the question. That's that's the issue here. Shelly. Trying to unmute you, Shelly. Yes, unfortunately, yes. Uh, yes, well, I can't see you now, and I can't see me. But the question, the um, the situation is not um, got very little to do with the Rodef himself. It's got to do with protection of yourself. No. And I think that's important. No, no, because the Rodef means even if I'm not protecting, it's not self-defense. It's even I can kill a third party. Right, so if I see someone chasing someone else with a gun, I can shoot that person. If I see someone with coronavirus walking yeah, into a nursing home... I mean, you, it's, it's still a matter of protection. It's protection. Yes, so... There's two entities. I understand, so I'm protecting the people... Many, many. I'm protecting the people in the nursing home. The guilt of the Rodef is not the reason that the Rodef is being uh, killed. The reason the Rodif is being killed is for self-protection, as I understand it. Um, and that's an important distinction. Yeah, so, well, there is a concept that we're saving the Rodif from murdering, too. That's true. But So it would be the same in this case, if this guy's considered... But we, but we already proved that. We discussed that in the sense of you're considered Rodif even if you're doing something through grammar, which means un, meaning just by causation. So therefore, you see from there that it's not necessarily about the rodif; it's also about saving the pursued, the victim. So, so let's assume that Correct. for now. So let's assume that for now. I'm going to mute you now, Manny. Right. Shelly wants to talk. One second. Shelly, go ahead. We can't hear you. You're describing. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now we can hear you. Yes. The case you're describing is potentially a serial killer. She's known to have had intimate relations with many men, and she has HIV. She's effectively a serial killer. Yeah, and I think in that case, you can shoot her before she, or stop her before she goes to bed with another guy. Right, so again, I'm not sure you're correct. Meaning, let's say there's a serial killer. Let's say we know this person um, is breaking, again, the guy's on the way to steal. He's going to enter your property, we know. He's, he posted on Facebook, I'm going to rob this house today on, in West U, whatever the case is. And now I, meet, I see the guy in Bucky's buying a coffee on the way to, right, he's, he's at a truck stop, he's on the way to your home. Can I shoot him in Bucky's? Okay. I think you could certainly arrest him. Yeah, okay, we're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with arresting. Arresting, of course you can. Can I shoot him because he's going to enter your home? You, the Allah is, and Texas state law is no. If you shoot the guy in Bucky's, you're going to go, it's a capital crime, you're going to go to jail. Same thing in Allah. You're posing a kind of, you're posing a kind of nonsensical question. You just walk up to the guy, shoot him before you attempt to arrest him, that makes no, no sense. No, I'm saying, let's say he's, uh, he's armed and I know there's no other way to, to stop him. 
from getting yeah, to your home. You but he's 20 miles from yeah. your home now. Can I shoot him in Bucky's? No. Yes, but, I, I would say yes. I you would say, say yes. yes. That's why you're not a. That's why you're not a police officer, Zinka. Eddie, what's the law? If I no, shoot I the guy in Bucky's, is it capital crime, Eddie? Do this all the time. Eddie, if I shoot the guy in Bucky's, is it a capital crime? A police officer has no more real authority than you do. You've just delegated your authority uh, for protection to a police officer, but uh, you know the, the use of, of deadly force is basically the same for a citizen as it is for a police officer. The question that, that I think you're driving at is can you just go up to them at uh, Starbucks and shoot them relates to imminence. Normally we think, you know, that, that you only can use deadly force when the threat is, is imminent. But in, in a case where you know that they're going to repeatedly uh, attempt murder, uh, as Shelley says, you, you initially go ahead and, and try to arrest them if it's feasible. If not, if you have a, a very uh, per nearly perfect knowledge that this is actually a a serial murder that intends to continue, uh, I don't think you have to wait until you catch them in the act of, of sex and transmitting the, the virus to act. So I would agree with Shelley that if, if you know this is a serial murder and you happen to be fortunate enough to catch them, uh, that you don't have to wait until the uh, you catch him in the very act right before it's imminent that it's going to occur. Okay, so so you're saying it, it doesn't have to be literally he's in the act, but as long as it's imminent is what you're saying. I think I think Eddie's right. Halacha would agree. Well, I mean, imminent, imminent, imminent can be. Boy, you've already started taking off your clothes and you're in the bedroom and and you're getting ready to have sex, that would truly be imminent. But if we know that, uh, we, we may not know the time, the exact time and place where this is going to occur, and in this case we might not even know with whom it's going to occur, we know it's going to occur over and over again because they've already done it multiple times. Uh, you can act in a and imminence becomes a relative term. I hear your point. So, so yeah. So I, we're going to run out of time soon. I, I told everyone forty-five minutes. So I want to try to get to the punchline here. So, so hold your questions for now. But, but, but I think Eddie's right. First of all, two things. Shalom, I did find a quote from Shlomo Zalman Orbach who says that if a thief. This is what he does daily. You know, he has a chazaka. That means this: he robs houses daily and he endangers people's lives. He's armed. Then you have a right to kill him in his bed in the morning. So even if he's drinking his coffee, which is, by the way, this is obviously relevant to any terrorist situation where you have, you know, where where Israel goes in. This is a controversial thing, obviously, for the world, not for Israel, where they go in and they shoot people in Gaza who are drinking their coffee because they saw online that they're planning an attack in three days from now. So that so that's. 
what we call imminent, I guess, to a certain extent. But there's a difference between if he's literally on the way to, I think there is a difference, literally if someone is, is on the way to the attack, okay, um, and he's stopping in Bucky's for coffee on the way, and if someone is literally just sleeping, you know, it's three days before and he's sleeping in his bed, there might be a difference between that. Um, we find that, just to give an, ex- an example from, from Tanakh, which we assume is halachic, um, is, uh, we can prove halacha from the story of David and, and uh, Shaul, as we know. As we know, Shaul was chasing David HaMelech. Um, King, King Saul was chasing David HaMelech with his whole army, 3,000 people. I don't remember the exact story, but the uh, story is that they were in Engedi. It's a famous story. It's in Shmuel, uh, Shmuel Aleph, Samuel 1, I believe chapter 22. Could be I just made that up. And uh, my wife is teaching Samuel this year, so that's how I know about it. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't know Tanakh, as you know. But um, basically, the, the, the story there is, uh, is that uh, King, De- uh, King Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself. He doesn't believe that David Amel is just hiding so prominently in Engedi, so he walks into a cave to, to take a, take a w- uh, whisk, as they say. And, uh, and David Amel happens to be in that cave with his men, hiding. But it's pitch black. And his men whisper to David, now's your chance, you can get him. And what he does is the famous story, is he goes over, he, he realizes he could kill Saul, and he goes and he just cuts off the corner of his garment with the tzitzit, he sneaks up while Saul is, is doing things that kings only do in private. He cuts off the corner of his garment, and, uh, and he's, he, he basically, to prove to Saul at a later point, to King Saul, that he had the ability to kill him, and he didn't. Okay, but the proof from there is, that you see, according to, he he had the right to kill him. It's clear from all the commentaries there that King David had the right to kill Shaul at that time. Even though Shaul was in the middle of uh, having his coffee or doing something else, which he wasn't in the act of chasing David at that time. But of course, since, as you, as Eddie was saying, he's on the way to kill him. Just the fact that he's stopping a Bucky's to fill up on gas for coffee or to have his, uh, his sugar fix before he kills him doesn't mean he's not a Rodef. So that's a proof that you, one can bring. Um, but if he hasn't left his house yet, that might be a different story. If he's just planning an attack, I don't think you can consider someone a relative at that time. So there's another case, where, a fascinating case, which is also medical, where Chaim Ozegorzanski, who was one of the, uh, he wrote the Achiezer, he was one of the foremost authorities, halachic authorities before the war, in pre-war Lithuania. So he has a response about abortion, where this woman was diagnosed, she was pregnant, she was diagnosed, um, the doctor said that if she gives birth, meaning the birth itself is going to kill her. The, the fetus wasn't endangering the woman at the time, but the, the labor, exactly, I don't know what she had, it's not clear from the response and what the medical condition was, but the labor will kill her. Um, and the question that was posed to Reb Chaim Ozer at the time was, can we kill the fetus now? Now she's, let's say, only in the second trimester. She still has a few months to labor. Do we have a right to kill the fetus now? Meaning, meaning again, this question is, at which point does the criteria of Rodef begin? Does it have to be, we have to wait till she starts going into labor, and now we can abort the child? Or, if, you know, right before she's due? Or can we do it right now? And he very clearly rules that uh, there's no difference at, at which point. You could abort the fetus now, even at the beginning of the pregnancy, since the baby, this is his language roughly translated, is currently growing in order, you know, the, the baby's growing to grow to full term, and, and, 
and is going to take the life of the mother at a future time. Therefore, right now, we consider it on its way to kill the mother. That's what he says. Um, so, meaning it's no different than any other rodef, that if it's on the way to kill, meaning even if it's not actually in the act of killing currently, that would be sufficient grounds to, to term the uh, rodef, and therefore you'll be allowed to kill him. Now, you could argue um, that a fetus is different, because as we discussed in halacha, most authorities believe that a fetus does not, is not a full life. It's only what we call, you know, you're preventing a potential life from being born. So you could argue it's not a good proof from there because a fetus is not considered a full life and we're not concerned about what we call chayesha, a temporary, you know, the few extra minutes or, or uh, a few extra months in this case. Maybe in that case wouldn't be a good proof. Um, um, as opposed to, let's say, a full rodeo. For example, the halach is, let's say someone's being taken out to execution and is going to die, they're going to execute him in a few minutes, and you go and shoot the person two minutes before he's executed, that's a full capital crime in Allah. Okay? So as we, as we discussed many times, you're concerned, we're concerned even about a few minutes of potential life. The fact that the guy's going to die in a few minutes doesn't mean you're allowed, it's, it's not murder if you're killing that person. Okay? So even in a case like that, it would not be considered um, murder. Shelly, I'm going to hold off on the questions because we're running out of time. So I'll leave time at, at 9.30, we'll We'll stop, and then you can ask your question. Um, so anyway, bottom line is, um, just to, to, to end off here, um, so Rabbi Yashav, the case of the woman who's having the, uh, the, the uh, we mentioned before, is having um, multiple relationships with men. There was, a, there was an actual case that was posed to Rabbi Yashav in Israel a number of years ago. Someone asked this question. I'm assuming it was a real case and not theoretical. Um, asked, asked Rabbi Yashav, this woman who has AIDS, she was diagnosed with AIDS, given to her by a partner, unknowing, uh, not unknowingly, the partner did not notify her, and now she's going and having multiple relationships. Um, so, so uh, can we go ahead and start, is she, does she have a Din Rodef? Do we classify her as Din Rodef? I'll read you, I'm just going to read you from the, this written response, it's not written by him, it was written by someone else who asked him the question. Um, so he says like this, I um, to the question that my father posed, you have a woman who's who uh, what he calls Isham of Keres. She's free. She's she's uh, having multiple relationships, and she has this disease that's contagious. Um, so um, again, do we go ahead? Does she have a din rodif? And his answer was, he says. Now, do we consider it like the case of Moser? Well, even though it's, as we're saying, it's it's uh, it's uh, grammar. He says um, he brings a tshuva sarash that says they're allowed to kill a Moser. That famous thing we mentioned before: someone who's going and tattletale to the government. And he goes on to say, um, but in this case, his language is like this, something like this. He says. Um, let me just see it here. I translated it. Can't find it here. Um, so he says, he says an interesting point. He says, since she, in this case, it's somewhat different by the fact that she is not, she is actually, listen, sex is consensual here. Okay, even though they might not know she has AIDS, it's consensual. And she has to convince them uh, and it's 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 a it's a consensual case. Um, so he wants to say. Um, 
she's not actively involved in infecting anyone. She's, she's trying to entice men, and they're choosing to engage in these activities with her. Okay, so he's saying unless they're in the act itself, he's saying just that she's walking around. Again, the question was posed, can they kill her or, or you know, before, she, she's, before she's in the sexual act? Okay, and Rabbi Yashif said in that case, the halacha is that you can't. He was of the opinion that you can't. Um, because until she's in the act, she's just convincing men to have a relationship with her. She can't be considered a rodif. That's what he wanted to say. Now, others clearly, as based on what we're saying, disagree on this concept, with this concept, and they, they hold, based on all that we said, that they, they would be considered a rodif. So bottom line, just to sum it up here, um, I, I think it's clear that if someone does have COVID-19, this is my opinion again, I haven't seen it being discussed anywhere yet, um, or make, maybe we'll get it onto the news today, but if, if someone does have COVID-19, according to what we're saying, and they're walking again into a nursing home, not just going to Target. If they're going to Target, like we're saying, I don't know if you can consider them a rodif, um, just the fact that they're shopping in a, in a supermarket. Um, if they're going to take your toilet paper, for sure you can shoot them. No question. Um, but assuming they're not in a regular case, where they're just uh, going, going uh, where in a case where they're we're just going to Target, I would, I would rule that you cannot do anything that would... Um, if you have, even if you have to kill them, you can't do that. If they're, or they're just going to shul, let's say someone's going to shul. Again, if it's a packed shul and there's a lot of older people, that could be a different story. But if they're walking into a nursing home and they clearly are conf a confirmed case of COVID-19 and they're going to be visiting multiple patients or even one patient in the nursing home within an unsafe distance and there's no other way to stop them, my ruling would be you can't shoot them. Please don't quote me on this. Um, I don't want the news, uh, CNN coming outside my house. Crazed rabbi allows for killing visitors to nursing home. So, but but I, that's that, that would be my opinion.